the same, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember when you were trying to change yourself? <laughs> remember that work you were putting in, sweating and making promises and gritting your teeth and having all kind of willpower and God is good. God is good. I uh, so love to worship. Welcome. Blessings to everyone on this chilly day. Just a couple of announcements before we get started. We will have fellowship. We will have coffee and bagels. It will not be outside <laughs> in front of the lodge. It will be in the lodge. It's raining and it's cold and we are going to be able to gather inside in the lodge, uh, particularly with um, our continually being able to have interaction and be closer together. Now it's a little safer that we do that. Uh, just to remind you of something that we spoke about last week, a couple of things. One, just be very cognizant of the people around you and their comfortability with uh, personal uh, space and closeness because some people are still working through that mentally, emotionally, and that's fine. Uh, just to reiterate what was said last week, if you are fully vaccinated, you have the option not to wear a mask anymore. If you are not fully vaccinated, we ask that you still comply, that you wear your mask until those restrictions are lifted, and that sounds like it should be coming by the end of June. Obviously, we're not like, you know, asking for any cards or anything, but before the Lord, in, co in cooperation uh, with each other, we just ask that you would honor that at this time. But that is um, a great thing. Matter of fact, uh, I've been praying not to have a mask on for so long. I am so happy that that is over. Let's just give God a hand clap for that because that's something we've been praying for and we're coming to that place. Uh, imagine this season that we just went through, but God has done what he has done in this season and his will is being done and it is perfect. Uh, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3? We're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 3. And we're going to start reading from verse 20. I'm reading out of the CSB. And we're going to be speaking about division. Uh, and in division, we're going to talk about both sides of the equation. When we think about division, we, we often think about that as something that is bad. And, and part of that is, is true. But then there's also some necessary divisions, and we're going to speak a little bit about both of those things. So uh, a necessary division would be something like, uh, something we always talk about once we get married is, is in-laws, right? So, so, so in, the la in, in, the last, in the last two months or so, I, I've officiated three weddings. So uh, in that, obviously, uh, people have new in-laws. And, and that changes, that changes from uh, this is someone that I'm courting uh, to this is someone that is my primary uh, responsibility and the object of my affection. And um, that is all well. And it is very natural, but it also brings about uh, certain divisions. Now, now, myself, I have the most wonderful mother-in-law. I get along with her extremely well. I always have gotten along with her. Um, maybe part of the reason we get along so well is because uh, my wife is Dominican. My mother-in-law does not speak English. Uh, I am American. I do not speak Spanish. So I don't know um, if through translation 
uh, people are softening what I've said at certain times and, and back and forth. I don't know what the, what the reason is, but we've gotten along great. I do know a little bit of Spanish. I know like survival Spanish, things that I need to say to get by, like um, dame comida por favor, you know, <laughs> things like that I know because I'm a foodie. So, you know, those are questions that I asked a long time ago. But anyway, we're going to be talking about division today. So if you don't mind, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. We highly honor his word and we like to give reverence to the things that the Lord says to us. Mark chapter 3, starting at verse 20 reads, Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said he is out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but it's finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, because they were saying he had an unclean spirit. His mother and his brother came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brother, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who is my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord that we know as you use men to write down your words, the Holy Spirit supervised everything. And this book is a word of life, Lord. This is a love letter from you, Lord. It is something that we need for our daily nourishment. So we ask that you would feed us this day, Lord, that you would continue to use your word through the Holy Spirit, to speak to each one of our hearts and to change us, Lord, that we would look more and more like your son Jesus, Lord, that we would know you more, that we would fall more in love with you, that we would know how to operate, Father, in this place that you have put us in, Lord, and that you would be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So when we look at uh, the Gospels, uh, sometimes we look at Mark, uh, uh, Luke, and, and, and Matthew, and then even the book of John, and, and we think, well, it, you know, it's kind of saying the same thing. Uh, why are there uh, so many accounts of the same story? But in actuality, each one of those books are, are looked at from a different perspective. It also... Uh, uh, is aimed toward a certain audience, and it brings us a fullness from different people's account of exactly what was going on, and each one of those authors brings something different to the table. So in the book of Mark, one of the things that we see is that he primarily spoke to the Gentiles. And uh, one of the things you would notice if you're listening or if you're reading through the whole book of Mark, uh, I woke up about, I don't know, 3.30 this morning, and I listen to a Bible app often, and I just put on the book of Mark and listen kind of to the whole story while I was kind of drifting back off this, 
to sleep. And one of the things that you find is that it moves pretty fast, that there is not a lot of, of dialogue in the book of Mark, other than to kind of set up situations. But more than anything, Mark looked at the things that were going on. He focused on the actions of Jesus much more than he did Jesus's word. Um, and one of the things that we know about life is we hear a lot of words. And one of the things that need to happen for us when we hear words and to respect who's saying it and what is being said is do their actions line up with what they're saying. And Mark really focused in on Jesus's actions. And one of the things that we know, even as believers, our actions are very important. Our actions need to, to prove what we're saying. Our actions show actually what's going on inside of what we believe, even sometimes more so than our words. Even in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So what this is actually saying is as much as we are called to be witnesses and to preach the gospel and our words are supposed to reflect God's heart, um, a lot is said about what you're doing. Your actions, your lifestyle, your day-to-day -day activity really speaks loudly. So when we uh, watch how Mark laid this out, it is the things that Jesus did that he really laid out so that we could understand where his heart was because it was a reflection of that. One of the things that we realized that Jesus did often was he spoke in parables. Sometimes, as believers, when we give an explanation to someone, even someone uh, that is not um, uh, so in tune with Christian language, is we speak to them very much in, in theological terms. Uh, as if they can understand that. But Jesus often did not speak in these theological terms. He painted a picture that caught the attention of the people, and he forced them to use their imagination and to think. A parable is, is a story or figure placed alongside a teaching to help us understand its meaning is actually bigger than just a, 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 a spiritual story set in, in a physical condition, but um, it gets the listener to deeply be involved, and it compels the listener to make a personal decision about God's truth in his or her life. It becomes a mirror in which we suddenly see ourselves. And even if we continue to look in that mirror, it becomes a window through which God's truth is seen. Jesus spoke in parables for two reasons, both to reveal truth and also to hide it. His, his disciples asked him one time, why do you speak in parables? And, and he laid it out. It's for some to understand and for some not to understand um, what, I'm, what I am saying. When we hear God's word, whether it be a parable or anything in the Bible, we don't just hear it, but we're called to respond to it. We are called to act on it. 
And that is always the case. And some act on it in a positive way. They will hear God's word, and they will read it, and then they will allow God's word to read them. Others hear God's word, and they also respond to it, but they reject it. When Jesus spoke in parables, often is when the religious rulers got the most upset with him. Because when they heard what he said, they understood the meaning behind the story, and they said, he's talking about me. So, so the work was still being done by that word. The, the response was just different. Their response was, we got to kill this guy. We have to do away with him. But there is always a response to God's word. And as we read uh, this parable, Jesus uses logic. He used deductive reasoning. He says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So he basically said, your premise doesn't even make sense. But it brings up this topic of division. And division, there are two sides to this equation. We know that sin is the root of certain types of division. So there are different forms of division, and one division that we frequently deal with is the division between our hearts and our minds. That's one of the personal divisions that um, we deal with. And sometimes what we're thinking and what we know to be true does not necessarily transfer to our hearts. There are times when a people will say to me or to others, um, I know that this is right, but it's not lining up in my heart. My, my emotions or the, the depth of me acting out on this, those things are somewhat in conflict, right? And sometimes the way we work through that is keep saying what God's word says until our heart lines up with it. But then there are other times, like in this case, where our heart pull is leading us to do something that isn't necessarily right. It says that Jesus entered a house and a crowd gathered again so that he was not, they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him. <laughs> you can't restrain God. And because you don't understand something or because you think differently about what's being done, that certainly does not make you right. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said he is out of his mind. When you don't agree with God, is he out of his mind or are you? So often uh, we have conflict with what God says and what we think what God says and what we feel, what God says and what we want to do. Well, someone's right and someone's wrong. And I'm going to go with, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I'm wrong. And, and, and that is a battle um, that goes on. But it is so important for us to come to terms with God is right. When we think about this situation of Jesus' mother, Mary, Jesus' siblings, 
coming to a place where they're watching Jesus' actions and coming to the conclusion that he is out of his mind. Just think about that for a minute, because they were in a unique situation, in a different situation than anyone else who interacted with Jesus at, at all, especially Mary. Mary was there from Jesus is a baby. One of the things that happens often in our Christian life, if you've been like a Christian for a long time, history sometimes gets a little fuzzy. Things that God may have done that was either his providence was so recognized or even things that may have been supernatural and been miracles, like our salvation, we tend to allow the awe that we experienced at the time to kind of dissipate. Sometimes we have long periods of time in our Christian walk where it seems kind of mundane, where we get kind of used to, yes, the Holy Spirit is in me, the Holy Spirit is guiding me, this is how I live my life, but we also kind of forget sometimes that this is very special and very different for, from people that don't have the Holy Spirit. And when I look at this situation where Mary and her sons get to a place where they think that Jesus is crazy, Mary, the one who got pregnant without ever being with a man, Mary, the one that was visited by the wise men, by angels, um, got to that place. And Jesus' brothers also. And, and that is something that we all have to kind of pay attention to in our own lives when we go against what God um, is doing because it doesn't line up what we would like to see happen or what we think is the best. But we'll come back to that in a bit. There are other types of division besides the division of heart and mind. We have divisions many times in our households. We just read that Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. And in marrying people and seeing the hope of that oneness and what that represents the same way that the church is the bride of Christ and what that represents. And that's supposed to model to us the way our interaction with our spouse is to be. But we know far too often that there are divisions, whether it be divorce or people in the same space that are a thousand miles away from each other. We see divisions in sibling groups. We see divisions between parents and their children. All of those things we see going on. And those things, the root of it is sin, right? The root of it is selfishness. The root of it is us wanting our way. The root of it is us not being able to come to terms with us being able to compromise, us being able to communicate, us being enabled to forgive, and, and things of that nature. And then we see divisions in the church, right? We see all kind of denominational divisions, factions, and cliques, and tribalisms, and all of those things are attacks from within. When, when you look at uh, the book of Acts and the formation of the church, a whole lot of attacks came from the outside. But then there came a time where the enemy switched tactics. And it started being kind of in-house and all of those things and what they produced. And those things are natural for us in that we live and have lived in a sinful environment. 
So, so those things are not outside of the norm. It's something that we deal with every day. But because we have the Holy Spirit and we have victory over these things, they can be overcome. But then we even have divisions when it comes to inside of our country and outside of our country. If one thing this last year showed us is division in so many different areas, even for us to speak about Memorial Day means that people had to die for you to keep your sovereignty because we have borders, so we are divided from someone else in the way that they think and what they think is right and the way things should go and where we feel we need to intervene. All of those things are the type of divisions that we're talking about. And none of those divisions are good. But at the same time, there are other divisions that are absolutely necessary. There is the division that God's word brings about, right? In Hebrew 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, so that is a necessary division that the word of God is able to come and be so precise like a surgeon and divide certain things so that we, having the word of God, can be worked on. There's division between light and dark, and that's another necessary division. The Bible says, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with dark? What agreement does Christ have with Baal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are temple, we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. A division that's necessary. Says the Lord, do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. There is a necessary division when we talk about holiness. 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 14, says, as, an obedient, as obedient children, do not conform to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, separate, in a different category, all his own, you also be holy in all your conduct. You be separated, right? For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So we recognize that there are divisions that are created by sin. And even some of these divisions that we're talking about are necessary, but they are a result of sin. But then we need to speak about when we have divisions and our loyalties. And this is when it gets tough. When it comes to our earthly relationships versus our heavenly call. It says uh, in, the, in, in verse 31, his mother and his brother came, brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother and brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Like that, that's a big statement. 
So your family is outside. You are answering your father's call. They want you. And then you make a statement and say, basically, above my relationship with anybody, his closest relationship, his mother, his brothers, his sisters, those he's been raised with, that cared for him, that God entrusted to be his care providers as a boy and coming up. Now we've come to a point where I have to make a division in my loyalties. Am I going to view those relationships, those affections that were appropriate for that time to deter me from where God has called me to be? what God has called me to do, his mission, him being my father, his call on my life superseding everything else in my life. Jesus said some hard things. He said, your, your, your love for me needs to be so much greater than your love for anyone else that it looks like hate. That that's how far this is supposed to be, our relationship and where you place it compared to your next relationship. When it comes to the division of loyalties, let's just think for a minute if Jesus would have capitulated to what they said and say, time out, uh, my mother's calling me. It would seem as if it would be a natural thing. It would have been wrong. It would have been outside the will of God. That is a very confusing thing. Whether it be, I just got married, and there's still a pull from my biological family that I've been with that has raised me all this time and been here for me in this season of my life, and now it's time to move and make my new spouse number one in my life. And there's a pull there, and that's where we came with the beginning, speaking about in-laws, because no one views that the same way, but it's for that person to determine what that balance is. How much greater is this? Where he comes to the place where he says, actually, if they were in the right place, they wouldn't be sitting outside. They wouldn't be going someplace else. They wouldn't be calling me away from what I'm supposed to be doing. They'd be right here. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Doing just that can take us to a place where we shouldn't be. Even as we look at this, this is an extreme case where his family subtly tried to pull him outside of what he was supposed to do. But if you remember, this parable started with him addressing the religious rulers and saying to the religious rulers, think about what they said. They said, because what previously happened in chapter 3, where Jesus healed people and he cast out demons, they said he's casting out demons by the power of the devil. What condition were the hearts of the religious leaders that they could not see the good that Jesus was doing right in front of their face? It says, the scribes had come down from Jerusalem and said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And he drives out demons by the rulers of the demons. 
See, where were their loyalties? Their loyalties was to their agenda. And it blinded them. And the interesting thing is, the word Beelzebul, meaning the devil, in Greek means master of the house. So they say he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So Jesus uses that term to go into the story of division in a household. So it says, so he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. So what Jesus is saying that your theology and your logic is completely off. But when we choose to not even see the truth right in front of us, it can take us that far off. When your agenda is bigger than God's, it will blind you even to basic logic. Sin is never logical, and you can never win if you're fighting against God. Not only that, it was very clearly stated here. When you go off that way, it can have eternal consequences. This is what happens when you can't come to terms with truth. And no, truth is not subjective. Truth is truth. The beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about it is that there is unity under Christ. Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters at this point did not believe in him. Which you just kind of like have to think about, wow, they were there from the whole experience. But they thought he was crazy. They did not believe in him. But the long-suffering and the patience of God and how God incrementally draws us and allows us to see. Once their eyes were opened, everything about the way they viewed Jesus changed and their destiny and their mission changed. James became the head of the church in Jerusalem. Right To the degree that he died a, martyr, a martyr's death, and we have the book of James. Jude, we also, one of Jesus' brothers, wrote a book in the Bible. And Mary was there at the foot of the cross. God is so good that even when we go off, he can draw us back because of the unity that we have under Christ. So even when we talk about all the different things that we've dealt with as a country this year, every time I come here to church, one of my prayers is that we stay diverse. There are rich people here. There are poor people here. There's black, brown, white. There's people that kind of think politically this way and people that think politically that way. There are people that have uh, on secondary issues, a little different doctrinal belief, but all the primary things of who Jesus is, that, that exists here. Uh, above it all, there is a unity here because we are under the umbrella of Christ. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8, finally, all you be like-minded, and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. 
says in Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 27, for those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Therefore, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Not for a minute does that mean that those categories are not unique. They are, and we are to celebrate those things. But compared to who we are under Christ, we're one. We are united. Worship team, you, you can come up. It is so important for us to understand where the divisions come in our loyalties. Because there are divisions that are there because of sin. And there are divisions that are there that are necessary. But know this, there is going to be a final division. And that final division determines all these other things that we're talking about. In Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? or without clothes, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment with the righteous into eternal life. This is not a passage speaking about works. Back to what we said earlier. Your heart reveals what's going on inside and it's going to show in your actions. When we stand for Christ, each one of us, he puts on a mission. And when we separate ourselves from the world, and walk as God's holy people, those things are going to be the result. But when we hear God's word, 
whether it be in a parable or in a narrative, in a psalm, and we reject it, and we reject him. Just like Jesus said, those words that you said, where you are taking what is good and calling it bad, when you would dare compare me to the devil, what you're doing is actually something that is impardonable because what you're doing is ignoring the Holy Spirit that has come on me and is doing my work and you're calling it wicked. You calling me the devil when I am God Almighty eternal, all-knowing, everywhere, always, all power to something that's created. And pride was found in his heart. And that's what you've chosen to follow. And then turn around and say that my work is done by the enemy. There needs to be an understanding in each one of our hearts. We need revelation from God. We need hearts of flesh. And we thank God for opening our eyes. But the way we respond as non-believers and even as believers for the things that God impress on our hearts, we're responsible for, and there are consequences for those things. One of the things that Pastor Angelo used to always say is don't be a sermon-proof Christian. When you hear God's word, it calls for a response, not for you just to hear it, but for you to act on it, for you to evaluate it and allow the work that only the Holy Spirit can do to be done. And when you encounter God's word, those that are not yet believers, and there's a tug at your heart, that is the Holy Spirit wooing you, calling you, Revealing to you this is truth. Act on it. So I ask you this day, knowing that there is going to be an eternal separation, some going to heaven and some going to hell for eternity, what are you going to do with God's word that you heard this day? Have you come to that place where you're ready to surrender? Because God's been working on that for a long time, allowing you to come to the end of yourself so that you would look up and cry for help. So you would turn from your ways. So you would accept the free gift of salvation, what Jesus did on that cross. You're not going to change by willpower. You're not going to impress them by doing good. You're not going to balance out, I've done more good than bad, because it is perfection that is required that none of us have been able to accomplish. Only the Son of God, who came into his own creation and died on the cross for each and every one of us, those of us that are going to heaven, it is not on our merits, but it's on what he did and us trusting in that. So I tell you this day, would you put your trust in him? Would you turn and repent of your sins and allow the blood of Jesus that will cover your sins take away the filth and exchange it for his righteousness this day? If that's you in this place, I'd love to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? And we will pray for you this day 
as you repent of your sins and you would be rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his son that he loves because you then too can claim that you are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Is there anyone in this place? Then let me know by raising your hand. If not, those that are online, this may be your day. You may have felt that tug. Pray for the forgiveness of your sins and thank God for changing your life from ever, ever, snatching you out of the hands of the devil. You're in safe arms now. Reach out to a Christian that you know. Reach out and call the church. When I'm going to pray right now for you as I pray for the congregation. Father, we thank you for that one who's going to hear this message. That you're going to use it to change their lives. Something that you've been allowing them to go through all this time so that they would come to that place where they would recognize their need for you. Not just for their day-to-day -day necessities, but for salvation, for eternity. We thank you for that one. We pray, Lord, for those sitting in this place, Lord, that where there is division, that's been called, that has been caused by having wrong information, by placing their affections in the wrong place, that have taken them off track, where there's division in their own hearts, in their homes, Lord, in their relationships, that you would intervene in that situation, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, how it sets us on course, Lord. We thank you for the unity that we have in your body, Lord, because we are under the umbrella of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that works in our lives, Lord, that even relationships that have been damaged, that you can restore and bring unity, Lord. We place all of these things under your care. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We petition you for all of these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Galatians 1, 6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Join us in the lodge for bagels and coffee. God bless you. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Hallelujah.